Okay, so today I'm sitting with Happy Joe Witte. He is the founder of Happy Joe's Pizza and Ice Cream. Thanks for meeting with me, Joe. Well, thanks for asking me. Um, for those people that may be watching or reading this that aren't familiar with the company itself, can you just give me kind of a general scope of size and operations of the company? Well, we started in 1972 in November 16th, night. I remember the date, and uh, I remember putting the key in the door and saying, this is mine. And I uh, remember being short on cash. Uh, I had probably $60 in the till, and that probably uh, broke my checking account and prayed that the people would come in. And I had cheese delivered, and I told the guy I didn't have any money to pay him right now. And he said, well, people have cheated me before, but they never warned me ahead of time. So <laughs> anyway, I, I had terrific uh, friends and and uh, terrific kids to, to help me, and uh, a beautiful wife to help me, and uh, and uh, it was just a dream I had for a long time, and and it came true. And fast forward to today, I think you're in six states now. Is that right? Yeah, we're we are we are not growing leaps and bounds, but we're 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 doing a nice job, and that's my grandfather always told me getting big didn't do a dang thing for the dinosaur. <laughs> So I always thought of that. Well, by a lot of people's definition, uh, you are very large, <laughs> so it's, it's all relative. Um, can you tell me a little history maybe about your first jobs growing up? Oh, I, I grew up on a farm, so I was working for farm people. And I remember I was getting uh, 65 cents an hour, and then I got raised to 85 cents an hour. And uh, I was about 12 or 13 years old. and. Uh, I think I had more money in the bank than my my, my father did, and uh, but I was saving and trying to save up for a car when I was about seven, 16, and I bought me a, an old '52 Mercury hardtop and finished high school with that, and thought it was the most beautiful car in the world. So I found another one, and it's in my garage at home. Forgot I, the other day I drove it and forgot how hard they steer without power steering. Yeah, so you did the, the farming, um, grew up on the farm, so obviously a lot of hard family work there. What was kind of next? What was the next job you can remember you had? Well, I was on the farm all the time, and then when I graduated from high school, I went to work for my uncle in a gas station in, uh, in uh, Riverdale, North Dakota, and, and every weekend I'd drive up to Minot, uh, which is about 50 miles away, and, and spend the, my day off, and I used to go in the keg drive-in, restaurant and uh, got to know the person that was running it and uh, and uh, he got ready to move out of it and he was going to open up another restaurant and close that one and he said why don't you why don't you open this one up run this and I said oh you don't that sounds like a fun deal and never done it before and uh, so I kind of watched him for a week or so and then he left and that was all mine and all this I had a great summer and fair come came around and uh, we were open till two or three o'clock in the morning uh, with curb hops and cars up parked around it and doing the hamburgers and the french fries and the malts and shakes and and uh, just was going gangbusters and did that for about three years and two and a half years I guess it was and uh, really went well and uh, then McDonald's came to town and and uh, a couple other people come to town selling frozen french fries and frozen hamburgers and, and all of a sudden that's taken a big toll on where what i was doing and 
So I ended up going to work for a bakery company and well, was a baker. And then that bakery, bakery company sent me to baking school and I ended up baking for them for about three and a half years. What kind of products did they make? Everything, yeah. I, and I, when I was a baker, it was, you didn't buy anything. I mean, you ground your wheat for the cracked wheat bread and, and everything was all made from scratch. And uh, today I just, I still, uh, sorry I sold my bakery down the East Village because I had that for years and it was just a fun place to go and I got to work a little bit and and uh, just, just was kind of my life. So uh, when I sold it, I couldn't find any help to, to make baked goods like from scratch. And so I just decided, well, I'm gonna just rent it out to Laca Messinos down there. They had uh, wanted to rent it, so I rented it to them and got out of it. But I really missed the baking end of it and still bake at home all the time and making pies and made some rhubarb pies the other day, I made 12 or rhubarb pies. And, and I promised everybody one. I realized I'd just give them all away and didn't have one for myself. <laughs> so I guess I'm a baker at heart more than anything else. And then, and then when I started, when I was in the bakery, I started making pizza dough for a pool hall place across the street. And I was making him pizza dough and uh, he was taking the dough over there and flattening it out and, and making pizza and getting five bucks for it. And, and I was taking a piece of dough and flattening it out and putting the dates and nuts and and getting seven, 79 cents out of it. So after a year or so, I caught on to that maybe that might be a better way to go. <laughs> Still in contact with that person? <laughs> um, okay, so you see the possible business or the possible profits in the pizza end of things. How did you start shifting that direction at that point? Well, I, what, uh, I was uh, working, I was at the bakery here in Super Value, and then I went to the Catholic nuns hired me to open a bakery at uh, Mercy Hospital. Then they asked me to be dietary manager up there, and so I was at Mercy Hospital, and a, a friend of mine was opening Shakey's, and, uh, and he came up to the hospital, and he says, he says, would you be interested in running Shakey's? And I said, oh, I don't know. And, he asked me what kind of money I was making. I told him a little more than I really was making. And he said, well, I think I can beat that. And I said, okay. So then I ended up running Shakey's down in Brady Street when they had opened and, and uh, it really did well. And uh, it uh, was one of the top 10 stores Shakey's had at that time. And, and the company came in and wanted to buy it because of the, of the volume it was doing and so he, my boss at that time sold it back to the parent company and then he says, you know, to get your bonus, you're gonna have to move to Albuquerque, New Mexico and run Happy Joe's there for me. I said, Albuquerque? And I, so I told my wife and kids, we're gonna go to Albuquerque. Oh, okay, they're kinda excited about it. So I went to Albuquerque for two and a half years and worked in Albuquerque at Shakey's and got a couple of nice bonuses and, and uh, I brought one bonus home and uh, my daughter, my wife Sandy said, go cash that check and as soon as it clears the bank, she says, you're coming home and you're gonna go over and tell them you're quitting because you're gonna do this pizza and ice cream thing. You've been drawing pictures and talking for years and you gotta go do it right now. 
So I did. I went over and quit, and then I thought, oh, my God, I just got rid of a job, and I don't have one. And uh, so there was a little Mexican restaurant that was looking for a manager, and so I managed that for a little while, and then we drove back here and started looking for banks to borrow some money to me, and didn't realize that was, was going to be as big a job as it was, and I went into probably four or five banks, six banks maybe, and got turned down and went back to my hometown thought, well, you always go to the hometown and everybody's going to know you. Well, that that whole North Dakota wasn't interested in borrowing any money to me. And so I was running out of the bank, so I went to Davenport Bank here and went in there and gave my story and finally ended up uh, getting a loan for $30,000 out of there and opened in the first store. So your challenge number one was you didn't even have the money to start, no. but it, it didn't stop you, it doesn't sound like. No, I was pretty discouraged. I thought, well, of course, the witty name wasn't a real big name in the banking business back home because we were just kind of running a little farm by uh, you know, seat of our pants, and so it, uh, it was not something that they were going to say, gee whiz, this kid comes from a big family with a big farm uh, it wasn't that case so but anyway every time I went to a bank I got pretty better and better about telling the story and so I wrote the book and I wrote a story in there about honking the horn in the bank and disturbing the whole bank and the president says uh, get the kid alone game out of here <laughs> so I think you want if you're going to get a loan you want to shake them up a little bit yeah, and the book, by the way, is uh, Not Your Average Joe, it's titled. My daughter Julie picked that name, and uh, she also picked the name Happy Joe, so so she's uh, she's paid her debt <laughs> to that. <laughs> Let's move back. How did Happy Joe's come about? You said she picked it, but there had to be well, some we, reasoning we tried, behind it. We came up with names. I wanted Joe's in it. We had Papa Joe's, and we found out. The lawyer said, no, you can't have that. Somebody in Des Moines had it. And then we went, I wanted to go Silly Joes, Funny Joes, uh, all the kind of things I could come up with, and, and none of them would pass to get a trademark. And uh, my daughter Julie came down one morning and said, uh, Dad, you don't have a name yet? And I said, no. And she says, uh, well, maybe you'd, maybe you'd like to uh, try this. She said, what do you think of the name Happy Joes? She says you're going to have pizza and ice cream and fun birthdays. She said, wouldn't Happy Joe's be kind of neat? So I called my lawyer and he said, that's a heck of a name. And he sent it in and sure enough, we had we got trademark on it. And from that day on, we've been called Happy Joe's. And, and you know, every kid in town knows me as Happy Joe. And uh, I, so I wear my hat whenever I can and I go to a school or something and the kids will say where's your hat <laughs> so i guess my ball head doesn't look too good it's become the image on everything yeah. <laughs> um at what point did you start going by joe i guess i never asked that your given name i've always i've raised uh, my dad's name was lawrence my name is lawrence joseph my dad's name was lawrence edward and so they always called my dad lawrence and uh, so when they come to call me a name they call me Joe instead of Lawrence and so that's how I ended up with Joe and it fit into the book and fit into Happy Joe's and so kind of glad they named me that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the original. You said you'd been thinking of the concept for a while before you came back and opened it. 
the pizza and ice cream concept was kind of different at that time, right? To have the two together. Oh, everybody would say pizza and ice cream. You gotta be crazy, you know? And, and then sauerkraut, Canadian bacon pizza and all that taco. And they thought I was goofier in the bed bug, you know? And, but uh, we, uh, I saw an ice cream place uh, that was more of just a plain ice cream place and a sandwich place. And I'm sitting there one day and I'm saying, See, you know, if you put the pizza side in, and then I have that ice cream too. I think that'd be a great move. And I said, well, that, that would be a great move. And so I ended up uh, um, taking uh, that concept, and I'd draw it on napkins and papers and placemats and show my friends and tell them what I was going to do, and they'd laugh. And, yeah, pizza and ice cream, that sounds really good. You want to invest? No. <laughs> and so... That's that's kind of how we just kind of came up with it, with just messing around, drawing out what I wanted to do. And so when I did get the money, I was I was ready to go. I knew what kind of wallpaper I was going to have, and what kind of carpet I was going to have, and what the soda fountain was going to look like. And so I had it pretty well drawn out what I wanted. And so when the money did come through, I took off like a bandit. I see a pattern here too. You're always looking for opportunity, it seems, you know. And you originally saw the pizza making money, you saw that, and then you, everyone's going for ice cream. Has, is that kind of where the specialty pizzas came in too? Was it looking for opportunities or was it just experimenting? Yeah, I think that's, that's probably, a, probably where I, I just made, I, I, being a baker, you, you always try to make something for the showcase different than, than they had yesterday. And I, that's why when I got in the pizza business, I said, I'm going to give them pizzas that they've never heard of before. And so, you know, the BLT was one of our first ones. The taco is, everybody's tried to copy the taco pizza. Let's We're, talk a little about that because people that are not from the area you serve may not be familiar with the taco oh, pizza Oh, we originated story. the taco pizza back in 1982, I think, or 81. And uh, some franchisee called and wanted to put tacos in his restaurant. And I said, no. I said, I'll come up with something that's just as good as tacos. Hung up the phone and said, oh my God, now I gotta, go, I gotta come up with something. So I sat around for a day or so and then decided to try make a taco pizza and, and uh, I ended up uh, getting it done and showed everybody in the office and they said, my God, just leave the taco pizza alone. This is great. So that's what I, how I came up with that one, the sauerkraut and Canadian bacon. I, I made that by accident one day and because I was running out of bacon so I put some sauerkraut on it and everybody said what do you bake and that don't smell very good <laughs> next night they wanted sauerkraut and Canadian bacon that's all they wanted so that's what I made them at home all that kind of pizza and so in your book there's a story of you um, sharing uh, the pizzas with community members to get them used to it things they might not want to try I think in particular talked about a construction site nearby yeah, I, it would, whenever I come up with a pizza, I, I'd look at somebody that's working or take over uh, four or five pizzas say, hey, try these out and let me know what you think, you know, and you get a real a true answer from construction people. <laughs> they, they, they're not about to tell you something's good if it isn't, you know, and so I always try to take them around the businesses or people that's working across the street or whatever just to get a, a good opinion. And if you really want a good one, you invite some kids in because 
they they don't know how to lie. So they they're not about to go make you feel good. They'll they'll tell you exactly what they think. And so, cool. Um, when you opened that very first store off that bank loan, what was the big goal? What was the big vision at that point in time? All I wanted is one little store that my wife and kids and I could run, and if I could make forty thousand a year, I was just going to be tickle pink. And that's all I was asking for. And the day we opened, I called a Catholic priest friend of mine and says, come on down. And I said, give, the, give this place a little blessing. And I said, I think I'm going to need all the help I can get. And I said, I understand that the guy up there will work free for me for a while. <laughs> and so, so I kind of put my faith in that guy and, uh, and uh, opened the door and prayed that people would walk in. and. Uh, Every day got busier and busier and busier, and uh, without promotion or anything, I didn't have any money to promote. But I ended up buying an old antique fire truck down at the city, and I heard it was for sale, so I went down there and and uh, I uh, looking at this old truck, and a couple of guys came up to me and said, "You interested in the fire truck?" And I said, oh, "I might be." And they said, "What do you think this is going to go for?" And I said, man, I probably won't go over five grand on it. And they said, five grand? And they got in the car and left, and I ended up buying it for $1,400. <laughs> you scared off all the competitors? Is that what that was? And then I, paid it, I paid it all up with Happy Joe's on it and, and put candy in the toolbox and just made it made it our mascot. And we, I drove it around the banks and downtown and blew the siren. and. Uh, Nobody knew if they should stop me and arrest me for that or not, you know. <laughs> and that's still one of the iconic images of the restaurant. Yeah, uh, we still have a fire truck too, so. Cool. At what point did it go from the one store making a good income for you and your family to store number two? I was just working in the store one Saturday night and somebody said, are you going to franchise this? And I thought, oh, it sounds like it good idea but I had no plans on franchising it and uh, they said uh, well we'd, we'd be interested in buying a franchise so I told my lawyer about them and they said yeah people are going to say that but when it comes down to getting money or something you won't get any, anybody to do that so they there they were next Saturday again and said did you make a decision and I said well I says you know, before I do anything, I'd have to have some money up in front. And if I can't put it together, I'll give you the money back, but at least shows that you're really serious. And they sit there and wrote me out a check right there and handed it to me. And so I called my lawyer and I said, I got a check. And he says, you're good. And I said, yeah. He says, well, we're going to have to, going to have to do a, come up with a franchise agreement and work something out so we can sell a franchise. So. Muscatine, Iowa was the first one, and then Milan was the second one, and then I think it was Dubuque next one, and Clinton, and uh, it moved pretty fast in the in the Iowa area at that time. There was just one more thing they told you it couldn't be done, and you just made it happen. <laughs> well, I always like people telling me I can't do something. <laughs> um, is there anyone... Is there anyone that you've constantly sought advice from when you were growing, growing up and, and starting everything? Is there anyone that's been there as kind of the, the mentor? You know, any, any good advice that I got from real qualified people 
was to not do it. <laughs> and if you're looking, if you're going to open up your own business and you're looking for somebody to come around and just get behind you like gangbusters, forget it. I mean, uh, my neighbor said, "Oh my God, you're going to you're, you're going to invest." your savings and your kids' savings and your life insurance, cash value, and you're going to do all that, put that in that one store? What if it don't make it? I, said, I guess if it don't make it, don't make it. But I, I think it's going to make it. And you know, I was wanting to sell part of it so I didn't have to, have to come up with all the cash. And I talked to a lot of people. And, oh, yeah, you know, we'd, we'd be interested, but I don't think we want to get in the pizza business, and and uh, of course after it took off, then yeah, you remember you uh, give me a chance to buy into that, and I didn't buy, <laughs> and uh, but uh, you know it's, people uh, people were excited about it, but not excited enough to to write you out a check or give you any help. So so don't you know don't look for somebody to jump on the bandwagon and say hey that's a great idea. And then some people don't want you to, uh, to succeed uh, anyway. They like to see, the old, they don't want to take a chance themselves, so they don't like to see somebody else doing it and, and making it. So, so make you know you're going to have to go alone on it and, and prove that you can do it because a lot of people are not going to jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, and we see that. I mean, maybe even more so now than before. Yeah. Um, if you were to be starting your first restaurant all over again from scratch right now, knowing everything you know, is there anything you'd do different? Yeah, I'd have more money. <laughs> <laughs> it scared the daylights out of me that I was going to be able to meet the payroll, and I was going to get the kids paid at the pay time, and, and I was going to be able to have some money to take home and pay my house payment. And uh, so, yeah, I think I, I went in on a shoestring because I just thought, well, you ask for less, the bank might do, might help you out, you know. So I decided that maybe $30,000 and plus whatever I had would put it together. And that put it together, but there wasn't any, there wasn't much money left in the bank when I got done. Well, let's talk about that because a lot of entrepreneurs, small business owners are starting on shoestring, have nothing and putting everything into it. Um, so from someone that's been there, how long did you operate until you actually were paying yourself, if you will? Oh, when you, you know, number one, when you go to the bank, you, the best thing to tell a banker is, you know, I'm not going to take any salary until this thing gets flying okay, you know. They like to hear that, you know, and somebody goes in and says, you know, I'm going to take 50 grand a year out of it, uh, and you're not even sure it's making money yet. The bankers don't like that part. So I, you know, I said, I'm not going to draw any salary out of it, at least for a couple of months until I'm sure it's doing it. And they like that part. So it, uh, I remember going to my bookkeeper and after we'd been open about a month and a half and I said, how are we doing? She says, you won't believe it. She said, I got all the bills paid and you got $350 in the bank. And uh, I said, does that cover giving a couple bucks to me too? And she said, I, that's paying you a salary too. And I said, whoa, this thing <laughs> might work, you know? And then uh, about six months later, I went to talk to her again and said, how are we doing? She said, well, you'll be surprised. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I've got everything paid. And she says, I got $30,000 in the bank. And it just kept moving, moving like that. 
So that that just kept you kept you going. And people, my wife would call and say, Are "You coming home?" And I'd say, "Yeah, I'm gonna be home pretty soon." But boy, I wanted if a customer liked that pizza, I wanted to hear about it. You know? <laughs> if they didn't like it, I wanted to hear about that too. Well, let's so, talk about some of the, you know the blood and sweat and hours. What was what was a typical day like in those early days? Oh, uh, you you'd get you'd get up there and get there about eight o'clock in the morning and you know and you you look at it as as critical as you could look at it and hose off the driveway and go in and walk around and make sure everything is running and make sure the dough got made right and make sure just tons of stuff but it was it was easy for me because i just i knew what i wanted done and uh, and then i hired three or four great young kids that just were adopted by me i, I signed at the bank later on they bought couple of vans with all that fur on the dash, you know, that <laughs> back in those days they had those blue and pink and all that colored van, Dodge vans that came out. So anyway, I had three or four people that really were good working people and not clock watchers because, uh, you know, there'd be nights we'd work 12, 13 hour days and, and I'd still be there 14, 15 hour days and get home and fall asleep in the chair and get up and go to work, you know? So it, if, you're not, if you're not willing to put the hours in, you shouldn't be even in the business, you know? It, it just doesn't, uh, it takes you to, to be in that store and, and to watch it real close to make sure everything gets covered. And you're the only one that's gonna think like that. Your help's not gonna think like that or somebody you can hire is not gonna think just like you would. Yeah, and I'm sure that attitude and effort is honestly a lot of what's put you where you're at and allowed you to earn everything you have. Um, that being said, it, the company is successful now, but in your book, you've had some stumbling blocks. Life's dealt you some blows along the way. Can you think of some of the biggest things that were... Oh, it, you know, I guess you, you look back and you say, uh, you know, all the things you could have done, maybe a little different, but uh, you, you can't let that hanging up, I lost my first wife right after we opened the store and I thought that was going to wipe us out. And then I realized that I didn't have anybody watching my kids, so I took my kids to all the grand openings and realized that I looked, sit there one night and looked and my daughter was running the cash register at 14 years old and my other, my son was back making ice cream sundaes and my other son was in the pizza parlor and my littlest one was just walking around saying hi to everybody, and I'm thinking, hey, this is not a bad deal. And uh, today, I, they, they have great qualities because of that uh, venture that they did, and uh, we just kind of hung out together and, and made it fun, you know. We traveled around a little bit and stayed in some hotels and had a motor home and stayed in the motor home and laughed and giggled and had a good time and spent a lot of hours and worked hard and, and always managed to be able to write them out a check at the end of the pay period too. And so it, it ended up we, you know, their mom would have been pretty proud the way they were working and, and the way the whole thing went. She didn't get to see the, the whole thing when it was totally developed into more stores. So, uh, but without her, I wouldn't have got it open the first time, so. Sure. Did, um Working with the family, working with your children in those early days, did it pose any 
challenges separating you know go home from work or was it just combined all together i i don't think it did i mean uh, i spend a lot of hours where i should have been spending with my kids but i put my kids to work real young and so i was seeing my kids because they were working and if i had to if they had to stay home and not be there then I, there was a problem but uh uh, I had them working Happy Joe's lots of hours, and uh, you know, and they couldn't work unless they got their schoolwork done. And they liked working because they got a paycheck, and uh, everybody, all their friends, thought they were really neat because they had a job at 12 and 13 and 14 years old. And so, no, I, I think uh, you know, we don't we don't involve our kids in our business enough. We need to do it uh, very young and and let them come to your office and let them do whatever you're doing and sit in your office and meet the people. And, you know, sometimes we as business people say, ah, you know, kids, kids shouldn't be in an office. They shouldn't be there when we're doing business. You know, I, that wasn't my belief. I, I thought if they can learn young, why not, you know? And so I'd be selling franchises and my kids would be sitting there listening to me on telling them about it and so I think parents need, need to get their kids involved in their businesses I don't care what kind it is real young and uh, and then pay them sometimes parents get them involved and never give them a dime and all of a sudden they wonder how come our son doesn't want to be in our business <laughs> or he's dumping garbage and, and that's all they ever let him do you know and so it, it involving your family in, in any business I think is a uh, road to success, success uh, if you do that. So I would, I would highly recommend that. Let's talk a little about present day and where your children are at now. Which ones are working here and what they do now? My, my kids all ended up owning the business. I moved it all into their, they, so I, I basically uh, am Happy Joe and they use me as a symbol, but uh, they, they, uh, they're running the thing, and then all four of them had ownership. And my one daughter that named Happy Joe, she wanted to be an occupational therapist, so she went back to school. And, and then my other son, Tim, he wanted to do some stuff uh, on his own and have more free time to visit his son that was playing a lot of baseball. And so they kind of sold out of it. And then Crystal, my daughter, and Larry, my youngest daughter, and my oldest son, they they now own it and uh, they uh, you know they're they're moving it forward and uh, some things I look at and shake my head and <laughs> some things I say that's a great idea but uh, they got better ideas now I got all my ideas are old fashioned anymore. <laughs> Can you tell me a little about a lot of business owners struggle with transition of control of the company now it may be different in your case since they work in the business from a very young age, but was there any period of time when you were trying to pull yourself out a little bit? I think it's always a little, it's probably more harder on the kids or whoever's taken over. If you're gonna stay there and pinpoint every time they made a mistake as if you never made any, you know? Uh, that, that's a diff, that difficult for whoever comes in, my son or my daughter, if I'm gonna just, uh, henpeck everything they do and every decision they make then basically they're not running the company then I should have kept the company rather than 
give it up. So you got to back away from it, and and uh, they they'll find out there's spots in the company that you yet, and you got to be there for that. And uh, um, I I flunked out of college, so I made sure all my kids went through college. So I. The first time anybody was running this company with a college degree was my son. So, so uh, it's, that was kind of a kind of a good good thing for me. I just thought, well, boy, we're going to give the company a, a more talent than it's ever had. And I had the I had a great way of working with people, but when it came to the the book end or sitting behind the desk, uh, I was not a very comfortable person. So. I hired some woman to do some of that for me, and and I stayed out in front and make pizza and work in the kitchen, and that was my bag. And so I I was pretty good about staying there and letting somebody else do the other stuff. And when my son got out of college, he fit right into that pretty well. And my daughter Crystal did came out with marketing degree, and she's kind of like me. She's coming up with more things than my son Larry wants to even hear about. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit here. Um, has technology changed the business at all? Because we don't necessarily think so when we think of a restaurant business, but surely it's had some sort of impact. Oh, I think it has. Uh, you know, it's, uh, everything is speed anymore. How quick can we get it out? How, how quick can we do this? And, and uh, I think that that has happened, but at the same time, it, I think it, uh, it can end up, if you let it go, it can end up hurting your quality because every good thing, you know, like a pizza dough, takes time to, uh, to get it prepared to go through the oven in the right way and, and then to, to buy the right toppings. And uh, so we have not changed that uh, very little since we started. And, uh, far as I know, we have no chance, no t thoughts of ever changing it. My kids would not do it, and and they knew Dad wouldn't have been very happy if he, if there were some changes there that didn't make sense. If there's some that comes along that makes sense, yeah, I'll jump on it. You know. Um, can you tell me a little about the role of sales and marketing in the company? Because a lot of people are totally under the belief that if you build it, they will come. And based on you spending a good portion of your initial loan on a fire truck for marketing. I assume you have a couple of ideas on that. Well, you know, the best marketing is word of mouth. And if you can get the word of mouth going, that's the best way. And and um, the old fire truck did that for me. It, and uh, then later on, I bought a hot air balloon and we floated that around with Happy Joe's on it, and I tried to do things that nobody else did, you know. And uh, everybody else was shooting commercials on TV and radio, and we did that too. But I think we were doing some stuff that uh, basically uh, um, a lot of people wasn't doing. And little kids loved the fire truck, loved the hot air balloon floating over, and and we were in a lot of parades and high wheel bike and. Uh, I have a 48 Harley motorcycle with a Happy Joe's logo on the back and a sidecar, and I have a dog in the sidecar and the parade, and what drive through the parade, and every every kid was, hey, Happy Joe, what's your dog's <laughs> name, you know, and just just come down to earth and be one of the people rather than put yourself up so they don't think they can really talk to you, 
And that's something I think I've been able to let kids know that, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more ease talking to kids than I am business people. Sure. Some of the core values, I, I think I found them on your website, are, are directly to staff, like fairness, risk taking. Can you tell me just some of your philosophies of dealing with staff members that are working? We, we, we've got a, uh, you, you got the list there, but it's a, we, we become family in any of these places, right? People that are working for me, uh, they know me personally. They have been to my house. Uh, I've been to their house. I know their grandkids. I know their, their, their new babies that are showing up. Uh, so we're basically just one big family here. And, and I think that that's the way businesses should try to work and no matter what, become a, uh, you know, that kind of a business that people enjoy. Uh, people say, don't bring your baby to work. We say, bring your baby to work. We'd like to see it. Bring your dog if you want someday. Uh, so we're, we're pretty lax when we want to, when we want family people to feel at home. And, uh, and so, Somebody's mother-in-law will come home, come here from California, and they'll call Joe. Can I bring my mother-in-law over to meet you? Oh, I'd love it. Come on over, and I'll meet you at the store, and we'll have pizza. And I had a gal call the other day, and she said, "Could you meet me at the Bettendorf store?" She said, "I want you to sign my book." And I said, "Sure." So I went over, and she had 24 books, <laughs> and she had bought one for all of her grandkids and her 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 family. And I sat there and signed books for about two hours and talking to her and having pizza. But that that's the kind of atmosphere I think uh, today we really need that because of of the struggle to find good people and and everybody's not looking for just more money. They're looking for some place they feel comfortable and they are appreciated. And that's what we try to put the forth here. Sure. Um. Tell me your thoughts on formal education, because you said you flunked out of college were your words, but you made sure your children went through college. Well, I, 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 I was going to go to college, and then I flunked the test twice, so then I decided when this keg drive-in thing came up, I opened this keg drive-in back in, uh, when I was 18 years old out of high school. And so that was did pretty well for two years, so I kind of pushed myself out of the, then I got married at 21, and uh, then I had my son Larry in 1960, so I didn't have much more time to give it another try to go to college, and so then I loved the baking industry, and I, so I went to that and did really well there, and and still uh, still love to bake wherever I can, and uh, it's... Uh, so I don't feel like I lost out a lot. Uh, I did get to, I did go get to go back uh, several years ago and speak at the college. That uh, they asked me to come back and speak at the college one time, and I went went back and I uh, I said, "No, you asked me to come and speak. Do you know that you flunked me out of this college?" And the guy said, "Well, I didn't know that." I said, "Yeah, I flunked out." <laughs> he says, "Well, that'll be an interesting story." <laughs> so when the when I got up to speak, I said, well, I just want to let you know that I flunked out of this college, but you don't have to quit because you get fl because you flunked out. So I just kind of wrote my whole speech on there's other th things you can do. There's trade schools, uh, 
There's all kinds of things that you can do. Everybody doesn't have to be doctors and lawyers and CPAs. And so uh, I did a whole talk on that and, and they loved it. And so uh, I got to go back to college anyway and speak. So, and then when I uh, went back and opened a couple of stores in my net, I decided it was only nice, nice of me to invite all the bankers that turned me down. So I invited all the <laughs> bankers and they had a big table all set up for them. <laughs> yeah. And they came to the grand opening and I said, oh, you, hi guys, you got a bit spot over here. And there's National Bank, American Bank, Union National Bank all sitting there. <laughs> they said, you know how to rub it in, don't you? Yep, you get to do that if you work hard enough. <laughs> and, then I, and then I did invite one of my teachers that told me I was in college material one time. So I had her picked up in a limousine and brought her to the grand opening. She's probably still proud of you, though. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> you get even different ways. <laughs> What's day-to-day -day life like now? I mean, you're kind of officially relieved of duties, but I know you're well, still pretty active. Well, yesterday I was out in my pasture mowing all my weeds and <laughs> my pasture on my John Deere tractor and sitting there just thinking God's been really good to me. I got my own tractor and my horses are all standing there looking at me and I'm cutting and I have trouble getting on the tractor. So my son helps me get on and I got to call somebody when I get when I get back off. But anyway, I'm sitting out in my farm and sit there every day and look out that window and say that, you know, God's been pretty good to me and, and uh, I'm all alone now. I lost my second wife and uh, but I got nine kids that love me quite a bit. So I, I, I get telephone calls every night. Are you okay, Dad? Do you want to go to dinner? you want to do this? And my grandkids, they just think having Happy Joe as a grandson, a granddaughter, or a grandfather is a, just the greatest thing ever. <laughs> is it the argument whether or not we're going to Happy Joe's for the birthday party? Yeah, the yeah, yeah if they go someplace else, they don't tell me. <laughs> Um, do you have any just overall words of wisdom for someone that is just starting a business, just thinking they're in the idea phase? Just don't let uh, friends and relatives discourage you, because if, you, if you're going to listen to them, you probably are not going to do it, because they, you know, everybody wants everything 100% sure that it's going to work, you know? And I don't know of anything out there that's 100% sure of it's going to work, but um, I had so much negative, even my family and my brothers and, you know, you're doing what? You know, and uh, then after it takes off, my family in North Dakota says, I, I don't believe what's going on. He's got four stores now. We're flying down. We want to come to see what the heck he's doing. And they, they couldn't believe what was happening, you know, so. It, it was a story come true, and that was just, uh, but people think, well, it just happened. It was just, you know, you were just lucky. No, it's the hours we put in, the effort my wife and I and kids all put in, uh, we, we work for it. So it's not something that just came easy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, what about someone that is running a business already and they feel they've hit a wall, they're at a hurdle? Oh, words that's, for those that's the saddest thing in the world. Uh, you know, our whole system out there is giving you so many benefits that people with ideas like mine, 
uh, sit there and say, well, I, I just, I, I got health insurance, I got uh, mileage on my car, and they just start reading off all the benefits for working for this company, and uh, they got, you know, all the insurance and all this and all that, and they start adding it all up, and they say, ah, yeah, that, you know, I got too much to lose, but, but they're, they're going to have that pain in their stomach the rest of their life if they want to do something. So you really got to just say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to have to give up some things, but it's worth it because I've been dreaming about this for years, and if I don't do it now, I'll never get it done. And uh, I remember a guy, a friend of mine, was a mailman, and he said to me one day, he said, I've hated being a mailman. He says, I just hate it. And he said, but, you know, I got a job and take care of my kids, and I've just never been able to do what I really wanted to do. He said, and I just, I just think you're the luckiest guy in the world for just walking away from a salary and walking away from, you know, family insurance and all those and doing your own thing. Uh, but he said, boy, that's, that's kind of scary to do. So that is difficult to do. But uh, if you got that feeling in your gut that you want to do something, shouldn't let anybody get in your way. And we're actually a little over on time at this point, but is there any other thing that you'd like to share with entrepreneurs, business owners that we haven't covered? Just, just today, you know, you, employees and employer have been a real separated kind of thing. And, and uh, I just think that you have to become more of a family operation even, and, uh, your kids have to be involved, and your employees have to feel like like you're a friend, and then they happen to work for you. Uh, they, they, you know, they just. Uh, I just can't imagine running a company that isn't passion for people that are, we've had a house caught on fire, and boom, we just came to the rescue of our that family in a minute. Uh, one of the people had cancer one time, and we just jumped on and helped that situation. So when somebody's hurting in our our group, we're just right there to to help. Uh, we had a special need kid working at Bettendorf, and somebody stole his bicycle. And two days, some one of our employees came up with a plan to gave him a new bicycle. And hey, Joe, we're buying a new bicycle. You want to kick in? Yeah, I'll kick in a hundred bucks. You know, and next thing you know, I know kids riding a new bicycle so it's it's those kinds of things that make business fun is when you basically think you can't walk in the boss's office and talk to him then something's wrong excellent Joe thank you very much for your time uh, oh all good talk okay pizza I hope, every, has, I has hope made everything turned out okay you you <laughs> probably pick it out won't you yep uh, definitely we're gonna go get some pizza now <laughs> thank you so much <laughs>